Good morning, everyone. Uh, welcome to Church at Home. I hope you are all uh, safe and healthy and as happy as one can be after being locked away for weeks on end. Um, thank goodness the weather is starting to change. Um, I know that um, hopefully when we're watching this, we're, we're moving towards some really warm weather, some sunny weather, and it'll just be exciting for all of us to get outside. Um, so I've been watching the news a lot more lately, like I talked about uh, last time I spoke. And um, one of my favorite things to watch right now, though, is um, what it's on YouTube, and it's called um, SGN, and it's the Some Good News Network, and it's uh, being run by John Krasinski. If you ever watch The Office, you know him as Jen, Jim. And uh, anyways, it's just really funny. And I was watching it uh, the other day, and what they were talking about was um, healthcare workers' responses when people are declared to have been recovered from COVID in the hospital, or they go off of a ventilator. And it's just this beautiful story, um, even in Ontario, where whenever someone comes off of a ventilator in the hospital, the entire unit forms a Congo line, which now that I'm saying that might not follow six foot or six foot rules, but that's okay. Um, they form a Congo line and they just dance all the way down the halls and they celebrate and cheer those people on. So with masks and gloves and everything. So um, just really a fun way to celebrate those who are recovering. Um, Another thing that uh, I was thinking about when I was watching the news as I was getting uh, ready this morning and you know there's a certain amount of effort that goes into wanting to prepare yourself for being on camera um, and I was trying to make my hair work and my hair um, is usually I like to wear it short but my bangs are growing out and I thought I can't keep my bangs keep doing this and this and I can't wear it down so I wore my glasses to try to keep my bangs out of my face and if you wear bangs or you have hair um, that's growing out you are probably struggling with that right now too um, and then I had a, a, a moment when I was watching the news um, and I was watching Dina Hinshaw who I am like her biggest fan but I realized that her bangs still look exactly the same which led me to think that perhaps whoever is cutting her hair has been deemed an essential service, which would make sense, you know, because we wouldn't want, you know, our, our leaders to have hair covering their eyes when they're speaking. But anyways, I thought it was kind of funny that whoever cuts the hair of all of our, you know, important people who are on TV, um, they are an essential service because those bangs got to stay out of their eyes or it's hard to talk. Anyways, that's enough rambling for now. You didn't come to church this morning to hear me ramble about bangs growing out and Congo lines in hospitals. Um, you're here to worship and to learn about the Lord and to pray. So um, let's do that. Uh, this morning, I wanted to, uh, as we enter into a time of prayer, um, I wanted to actually lead us through a process, um, sort of a, an old ritual um, called Lexio Divina, um, and it literally means divine reading. Um, it's just a really neat way for us to engage with the scripture. Um, so there's four parts to Lexio Divina. Um, possibly you've heard of it before. If not, um, it's not that hard. It's not that complicated. Um, we can do it together this morning, and it's a tool that you can use um, at home when you are wanting to engage with the Lord, when you're wanting to read scripture, but make it um, maybe just a little bit more meaningful or um, deep. Um, so there's four steps to Lexio Divina. Um, the first step is to read. 
So we're going to read through scripture this morning. I'm going to read some scripture from Jeremiah 31. Um, So it's Jeremiah 31, 1 through 4. And I'm just going to read it. And then part of um, the reading process is to just invite the Lord to allow a certain word or a certain phrase to stand out. So not necessarily what the whole scripture is saying, um, but maybe a a certain line or a sentence or, like I said, a certain word. Um, And just asking God to allow something to stand out to you. And that's the first reading. And then you read through it a second time. And that second time, you're focusing on those specific words that are standing out to you um, or the the specific phrase. And you are just um, reflecting. You're reflecting on what maybe God is saying to you through those words and those phrases. And then the third step is to respond. And so we read it a third time. And then after, um, while you move through that, you are responding to God, either through prayer or possibly through journaling or even both. And you are creating that space to sort of respond to God about what he has been saying to you um, in that scripture, whatever that word or that phrase is that has stood out. And then the fourth step to Lexio Divina is to just rest. And this is where um, we are kind of shutting our own voices down and we are opening up our minds, opening up our hearts to what God has to say to us and just resting in his presence. So again, we're going to read through scripture four times. Um, It's just a really beautiful process uh, to sort of um, engage with the text. So again, that's Jeremiah 31 this morning that I'll be reading from. But again, you can do this on your own at home this week. Um, Any text you want, long or short. Um, And again, it's just asking God to allow certain keywords or phrases to stand out. So I'll read here. It says, At that time, declares the Lord, I will be the God of all the clans of Israel, and they shall be my people. Thus says the Lord, The people who survived the sword found grace in the wilderness. When Israel sought for rest, the Lord appeared to him from far away. I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, I have continued my faithfulness to you. Again, I will build you, and you shall be built. O virgin Israel, again you shall adorn yourself with tambourines and shall go forth in the dance of the merrymakers. So that was the first reading. Um, And again, the idea is just to hear the text or read the text um, and just ask God for certain keywords or phrases to stand out. Now I'll begin the second reading. And um, again, the purpose of this reading is to reflect. So if there was a certain word or a certain phrase that stood out to you, as I read this test, uh, text, sorry, just um, reflect um, and uh, on what God might be saying to you through those words. So here we go. At that time, declares the Lord, I will be the God of all the clans of Israel, and they shall be my people. Thus says the Lord, the people who survived the sword found grace in the wilderness. When Israel sought for rest, the Lord appeared to him from far away. I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, I have continued my faithfulness to you. Again, I will build you, and you shall be built. O virgin Israel, Again, you shall adorn yourself with tambourines and shall go forth 
in the dance of the merrymakers. Now we'll begin the third reading. Um, so again, this is our time to respond. So if you feel like God is um, speaking something to you, um, go ahead and pray. Um, talk to him about it. If you journal, go ahead and journal about what it is. It doesn't have to be, you know, substantial or like a mini sermon even. It could just be um, a few sentences or like you know, a promise he has for you in this season or a word of encouragement, whatever that looks like for you. Um, just take time to pray and, and uh, respond to the Lord about what he's saying to you this morning through this text. So the third reading. At that time, declares the Lord, I will be the God of all the clans of Israel, and they shall be made my people. They shall be my people. Thus says the Lord, the people who survived the sword found grace in the wilderness. When Israel sought for rest, the Lord appeared to him from far away. I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, I have continued my faithfulness to you. Again, I will build you, and you shall be built. O virgin Israel, again you shall adorn yourself with tambourines and shall go forth in the dance of the merrymakers. And now we'll begin our fourth reading. So this is the final reading of the scripture. Um, and this is time where you just get to rest. Um, so not praying, not talking, but just opening up your heart, opening up your ears, opening up your mind uh, to what God might be saying to you and just allowing the Holy Spirit to minister to you um, through this text. So we'll begin the fourth reading. At that time declares the Lord, I will be the God of all the clans of Israel, and they shall be my people. Thus says the Lord, the people who survived the sword found grace in the wilderness. When Israel sought for rest, the Lord appeared to him from far away. I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, I have continued my faithfulness to you. Again, I will build you and you shall be built. O virgin Israel, again you shall adorn yourself with tambourines and shall go forth in the dance of the merrymakers. So there you have it, um, just a, a little tool that you have um, to engage with scripture this week. Um, again, uh, it's something you can do anytime. Um, just to sort of deepen um, your readings and, and sort of deeper that amount of communication with the Lord. Uh, now I'll go into a time of prayer, and then Pastor Brian will bring us a message for this Sunday. Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much for your grace and for your goodness um, and for the, the promise that comes with the Easter season. God, that um, moving forward into the spring and into warmer weather, um, we can just hold tight um, to start to this, um, yeah, just the promise and the hope that you give us, that there is a light at the end of the tunnel, that you will not leave us or forsake us, that um, you rose again and, and we will rise again, and you left the tomb, and we will leave um, our houses. We will leave the places where we feel we are being held captive right now, um, and we will come out of it 
um, stronger and healthier and, and hopefully more healed. And, and Lord, that is a promise that you have for us, that whatever is going on, wherever we are right now, whatever um, we are facing, you are there for us. God, there is so much uncertainty, so much unknowns that we are facing in this world right now, but you promise us, you say, take heart, I have overcome the world. God, that um, while our, our finances might not be stable or jobs might not be stable, health might not be stable, you are the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. You are a rock that we can lean against. You are stable. You do not move. Um, and your promise for grace and for goodness um, and for salvation um, is always there. So, Lord, we just cling to you in this time. Um, we lean on you, our, our anchor, our rock, um, our support, God. And we just pray that you would just, um, just love us, meet us in this place, um, give us peace, Father. Um, I just lift up any in our congregation who are struggling with illness, um, who are struggling um, with any medical issues going on, Father, um, the, the heart attacks and the broken bones, be near to them, that you would give them peace, God, that they would feel your presence now more than ever before. Father, I, I do just thank you for for technology and for the ways that you've prepared us for this time, um, that we are not like scattered sheep. We are able to come together and worship and learn and, and grow in you together. Um, I just thank you for the promise that we are not alone, that you are with us, and um, that as a body of Christ, we have each other. Um, so, Father, I pray just if there's anyone out there who's feeling especially lonely this week, um, that you would comfort them, but also that you would just raise up people in the midst to comfort them, to reach out to them, um, and so that they would know that they're not alone in this time. Thank you, Lord, um, for being such a good, good father to us. We love you. Amen. Well, good morning, everybody. As many of you know, I begin my day every day having what I call my devotions. It's where I spend time uh, with my Bible and my journal, and uh, I, I read and meditate upon Scripture. I practice my Scripture memory. I uh, sit and I listen for what the Holy Spirit uh, wants to say to me um, for that day and for that week. Um, and so right now, I'm in the book of Acts, uh, which is interesting. I love the book of Acts. Uh, as I read through it, I am amazed at the boldness and the audacity of the apostles of Jesus after they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Uh, these men were not that bold and that audacious before. After Jesus was crucified, they all fled. They deserted him. They were running for their lives. Um, so how do we explain the transformation that took place in them? Well, it all began on that first Easter Sunday when they encountered Jesus after his resurrection, and they believed. And 
what's interesting is their Easter did not begin the way our Easter begins. They woke up that morning still in a, in a place of mourning. The women had not yet gone to the tomb to anoint Jesus with spices. Uh, it tells us later they went there, found the tomb empty, and they went back and told the other apostles uh, what had happened, that the tomb was empty and that the angels told them that he had risen. And so they didn't begin their day celebrating the way we do. They began it in a place of mourning. And so these men were transformed when they met Jesus after he rose from the dead. Everything for them changed, and the world had changed. The COVID-19 pandemic is upon us right now, and, and it really has altered our world. Uh, it's turned things really upside down for us. It's caused people to become afraid and to become uncertain about um, our future, uh, our health, uh, the economy, our own livelihoods, and so on. And what we need today is a message of hope. Um, Jesus' first disciples went from a place of doubt to a place of hope and then eventually to a place of certainty. And that's changed everything for me. The resurrection of Jesus Christ has changed everything for me. Believing that He is risen impacts my life on a daily basis. My faith is a living thing for me. It's not just dead uh, orthodoxy or dry liturgy. Um, I am now reading Leviticus and Numbers along with the book of Acts. And if you know anything about the Old Testament, if you know anything about Leviticus and Numbers, you know that they are considered by a lot of people to be the driest, most boring books in the Old Testament. Uh, it's all about the tabernacle and the priesthood and the sacrifices, and there's all these regulations and, and all of that. And it's interesting. I think God has a sense of humor because He's got me reading through the book of Acts at the same time as I'm reading Leviticus and Numbers. And what's interesting about the book of Acts is it shows us that Christianity is about relationship. It's not just a relationship to a book, though, the Bible. Uh, many Christians have a relationship to this book, but the book tells us about Jesus. We're supposed to read the book knowing that it testifies to us about who Jesus is so that we can believe in Him. Um, and so this impacts the way I approach the Bible. When I read my Bible in the morning, I read it as though God is speaking to me. I want to hear His voice so that the words uh, leap off the page into my mind and into my heart and transforms me. Jesus promised that after His resurrection and His ascension to the Father in heaven, that He would send His Holy Spirit to live in us. And I know that every day that I live, I have the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Jesus living within me. Um, he guides me. He teaches me. He mentors me. He inspires me. And he, he, it's the Holy Spirit living in me that makes me want to get up out of bed in the morning and begin my day. Um, and so for me, the resurrection of Jesus made all this possible. Uh, it's not just a doctrine. The resurrection is not just a doctrine. It's not just a creed that we believe in. The resurrection is life. 
and it's reality. Um, believing that Jesus is alive gives me boldness in my faith, and it helps me to be unashamed to call myself a Christian, and it makes me unafraid um, and not worried about the things that are going on around us here in the world today with this pandemic. And so, as a pastor, I want to help God's people to know the Jesus that I know, the Jesus who is revealed to us in Scripture, the Jesus who died, but then on the third day rose again. He is risen. He is risen indeed. But his resurrection does nothing for you until you believe it. And so there's a lot of Christians today who say that they believe, but in their hearts they doubt it. They confess it with their mouths, but they don't really believe it in their hearts. Uh, Philip Yancey, a popular Christian author, he wrote a book called The Jesus I Never Knew. And I want to ask you, which Jesus do you know? Do you know the Jesus uh, of Palestine? He went around Palestine uh, teaching and, and preaching, healing the sick, casting out demons and so on, uh, who was later betrayed, rejected, and crucified on the cross and buried in the tomb? Maybe that's where it stops for you. Or do you know the Jesus who on the third day miraculously rose from the dead and appeared to his disciples and then ascended into heaven and poured out his Holy Spirit upon all who would believe in him. Um, maybe you're having trouble wrapping your head around the idea that Jesus rose again. I did for a long time. Uh, but if you are having trouble with it, you're in good company. And as we've already observed, even Jesus' own disciples had trouble believing that he rose from the dead. Uh, there's an interesting account in the last chapter of the Gospel of Luke. And uh, here it is in my Bible, the very last chapter, uh, Luke chapter 24, beginning at verse 13. And if you've got your Bible, you can turn to that. I'm reading from the New uh, International Version. And there's an interesting account beginning at verse 13. It tells us that there was two men, uh, they were followers of Jesus, not one of the twelve, but they were on their way uh, away from Jerusalem, going back to their hometown of Emmaus. And they were, they were despondent. Uh, they were in despair because when Jesus died on the cross, they felt that all their hopes and dreams had died with him. And so they're talking about everything that had happened on the trip back to Emmaus. And along the way comes Jesus. He joins them. He sidles up next to them and he says, what are you talking about? He knew what they were talking about, but he's kind of playing dumb. And the Bible says that they were kept from recognizing him. They thought he was just some stranger and they couldn't believe that he had not heard about all that had transpired in Jerusalem, about Jesus' betrayal, rejection, uh, the, the sentencing under Pontius Pilate and his crucifixion and burial. Um, and they thought, you know, he must have been living under some rock or something that he had not heard. And so they went on to tell him about the women, uh, how they went to the, the tomb that morning uh, to anoint his body with, with spices. And when they got there, to their dismay, they found the tomb empty. He wasn't there. And then to their surprise, two angels appeared to them 
And they said, why do you search for the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. And so they fled that place. They ran back to where the apostles were staying. They told them, and the apostles didn't believe it, but Peter thought, well, maybe. And so he runs back to the tomb, and of course, all he finds are the linen cloths, the burial cloths that Jesus was wrapped in. And he walks away wondering to himself. Um, And what's interesting, as they're reporting this, they say to Jesus, we had hoped that he was the one, that he was the Messiah who would come to rescue Israel. We had hoped that he was. Um, But they said, but the women told us the body was missing, and now we're really confused about the whole thing. And what's interesting is, when they're walking with Jesus along the road, not knowing that it's Jesus, thinking that he's just some stranger, they're just giving this report. It's like a news report on TV. They're telling what happened. They're giving the facts. But there's nothing in what they said that indicated that they actually believed the report of the women. That not only was the tomb empty, but that he had risen from the dead And that was the explanation of why the tomb was empty. You see, they didn't understand why it was empty. And that explains why they were now on their way back to Emmaus. They left Jerusalem because for them now, they couldn't get far enough away. Jerusalem for them represented broken dreams. So finally, as they're explaining all this to Jesus, and he realizes they're not getting it, he loses patience with them. And then in verse 25, he says, You foolish people, you find it so hard to believe all that the prophets wrote in the Scriptures. Wasn't it clearly predicted that the Messiah would have to suffer all these things before entering His glory? You see, Jesus had risen from the dead, but His resurrection does nothing for you until you believe it. And I think we're not that much different than those men on the road to Emmaus. Uh, We're spiritually dull, just like they were. And until Jesus himself opens our eyes and opens our minds to see and understand, we just can't get it. We just don't have that spiritual sixth sense until he brings it alive within us. In this story, Jesus becomes exasperated with these men because he, he knows that they should have understood, but they couldn't do it. They needed help. But as they walked along the road with Jesus, he starts to explain the Scriptures to them. He explains the prophecies and how Jesus was the fulfillment of those prophecies. And they slowly began to understand. The light was beginning to come on. Their curiosity was aroused so much that when they finally got back to Emmaus and got to their place of residence, they said to Jesus, you know what's late? Why don't you come and stay with us for the night? And so he did. And they sat down and had supper together. And as they broke bread, the Bible tells us that the veil was lifted from their eyes, and now they understood all the pieces of the puzzle. You remember last Sunday, Pastor Blaine had a puzzle, and he said, you know, you you put all the pieces uh, on the table, and nothing makes sense until you put it together, and then it forms a beautiful picture. And that was beginning to take shape. The pieces of the puzzle were beginning to take shape in their minds. So the question is, what made the difference? How did they go from this place of doubt and despair to a place of hope and to a place of belief? 
And the answer is, they had an encounter with Jesus as the risen one. They said, didn't our hearts burn within us as he talked with us on the road and explained the scriptures to us? When they reflected on it, they said, yeah, we were stirred within us when we encountered him along the road, not even knowing that it was him. An encounter with Jesus moves his resurrection from the dead, from doctrine into reality. These disciples, these two men who were so filled with doubt and despair, finally had a moment of clarity when their eyes were opened and suddenly it all made sense to them. And now the world would never be the same. So I want to ask you, have you encountered him as the risen one? Can you say with confidence, and I don't mean just mouthing the words, but can you say with confidence, he is risen, he is Lord? Do you really believe that? Because if you do, it will cause you to organize your whole life around those words. And sadly, too many church-going people live as though Jesus was still in the tomb, uh, not understanding why the tomb is empty. And so they're like these two men on the road to Emmaus. Jesus had risen, but they didn't really believe that he had risen. Many people today are still living under the old covenant. And, and so it's, it's kind of like they're, they, they, they've left Jerusalem and moving towards Emmaus. And Emmaus uh, is just that place where we live our uninspired, ordinary lives. But that's not where Jesus wants us to be. His resurrection happened, but it does nothing for you until you believe it. So it's not enough to know that the tomb is empty. You have to know why it's empty. So how else do we explain the conversion of the Apostle Paul? He knew the tomb was empty, but he thought it was a conspiracy before he became a Christian. And he thought that, the, that Christians were part of a cult, a Jewish cult, and he wanted to destroy it. Until he met Jesus in person, alive on the Damascus Road. And he was forever changed because of it. It is the will of God that you experience the power of his resurrection by encountering him as a real person, as the risen one, and then reorienting your entire life around that fact. So the resurrection of Jesus is not just a doctrine. It's a whole new way of seeing the world. It transforms you, first of all. It gives you a new identity, but it also transforms the way that you look at life, the way that you interpret everything that happens to you in your life. Um, so for the men in this story, they had a moment of clarity when they encountered Jesus. Um, and it started when they were walking along the road with him. But it all crystallized in their minds when they sat at table with him and ate with him. And that's what we call spiritual illumination. Um, it's like the light comes on. I, I like to call it an epiphany. And isn't that how it seems to work with us? Uh, we, we go through life, this road of life, 
and Jesus is with us, and he's explaining things to us. But the real epiphanies, the real um, aha moments happen when we're still in his presence, when we're quiet in his presence, when we put ourselves into that place of solitude with him, and we fellowship at table with him. Jesus said, if anyone opens the door, he said, I stand at the door and knock. And if anyone opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. And that's where the encounter takes place, is when we meet with him every day. It's in relationship that transformation takes place. It's all about the encounter, encountering him as the one who rose from the dead. The Bible says, as they sat down to eat, he took the bread and blessed it. He broke it, and he gave it to them. Suddenly, their eyes were opened, and they recognized him. It's when we sit at the table that we begin to hear his voice. It's at the table of fellowship where we hear him speaking to us. It's at the table when we recognize him for who he is, the risen one. And that's how I look at it when I wake up in the morning and have my devotions. I'm sitting at the table with Jesus, and he is revealed to me as the risen one. But again, his resurrection does nothing for you until you believe it. There's a story about a Muslim man by the name of Nabil Qureshi. He became a Christian, grew up Muslim, but became a Christian. He wrote a book about his conversion, and it's called Seeking Allah, Finding Jesus. He became best friends with a, a man in university. They, they studied together in university. They were both very, very good students. And Nabil and David would talk a lot about religion um, and Nabil felt that Christianity didn't make any sense, but David knew his Bible, and he understood uh, the, uh, the power of the resurrection. He knew that the Bible made sense. And so, over time, Nabil came to understand that Christianity made sense, and his Muslim faith did not make sense, and it could not compare with the truth of Jesus. He came to that place where he knew he needed to make a decision, but he was afraid to do it. And here's what happened. What put him over the precipice, well, I guess what really helped him to cross over was God came to him in visions and dreams. He encountered Jesus in visions and dreams. The Holy Spirit made himself known to Nabil, and he knew that he could never go back to what he was, and he became a believer. So I want to ask you, which Jesus do you know? Are you still wondering about the empty tomb? Would you like to know why it's empty? Are you ready? Are you ready for an encounter with Jesus? Because that's really what makes the difference. Jesus said, in John chapter 7, he said, whoever believes in me, out of his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. 
And the Bible says, by this he meant the Holy Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive. He was talking about the Holy Spirit when he talked about living water. And then he said later in John 14, 12, he said, because I go to the Father, the one who believes in me will do the works that I've been doing, and greater works will he do. Jesus was talking about the Holy Spirit. And because Jesus rose from the dead, it means that all the promises that he made about the coming of the Holy Spirit were true. When he left and went to be at the right hand of the Father in heaven, he poured out his Holy Spirit upon all who would believe in him. And Peter's first sermon on the day of Pentecost, when thousands were saved, Peter was preaching uh, to people who knew about Jesus, but all they knew about was the empty tomb. And they, many of them thought it was some kind of a conspiracy. It was a mystery to them. But then he tells them in his sermon, you put this man to death with the help of evil people. But God has raised this Jesus to life, and we are all witnesses of it. Exalted to the right hand of God, he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see and hear. We're living in the middle of this pandemic. This is the sixth Sunday, I believe, that we've not been able to gather together as a church. This pandemic for a lot of people has caused hopelessness, despair. For many uh, who've lost loved ones to the COVID-19, uh, the, the coronavirus, uh, grief, deep, deep grief and loss. There's fear and, and there's panic and uh, it just seems like nothing is going to be as it was before. Right now what the world needs is not religion. What the world needs is Jesus. But the Jesus of the Bible, the one who defeated death and rose again on the third day. And that's why the Holy Spirit was given. The Holy Spirit was given to reveal Jesus to us, but also to empower us to reveal Jesus to others as the Jesus who lives. So I want to ask you today as I close, who are you in this story? Judas and Peter both failed Jesus. Judas betrayed him, and Peter denied him. Judas didn't understand that there was a way back, and he took his own life. Peter understood forgiveness, and he was restored to fellowship and became the great apostle. And then there was Thomas, who wasn't there on that first Sunday when Jesus revealed himself alive to the disciples. And he said, I won't believe it unless I see evidence. And so the next week, the next Sunday, Jesus came and appeared to them. And Thomas was there this time. And Thomas touched Jesus' hands and his feet. And he bowed down in worship. And maybe you're like Thomas, you're a doubter or you're a skeptic. Well, there's room for you at his table. And then there's the women uh, the women who went to the tomb that morning to anoint his body with spices, they loved him, and they were ready to show their devotion. But they were worshiping him at a tomb. And for a lot of people today, they're still worshiping at 
his tomb as though he hasn't risen. And they worship a memory. But he has risen. He has risen. Then there's Cleopas and his companion on the way to Emmaus. They realized after they walked with Jesus on the road and sat down and had dinner with him that new beginnings were possible. And what's really interesting is they hurried back to Jerusalem. It says within the hour when they realized who this was and recognized him as the Messiah, they rushed back to Jerusalem. And now Jerusalem is no longer the place of broken dreams. It was the place of new beginnings for them. And it can be that for you as well. And so it doesn't matter who you are this morning. You could be an older person. I'm 69 years old, but you know what? It's not too late for you. I've enjoyed the most um, uh, intimate uh, moments with God and my deepest encounters with Jesus in the last five or six years of my life. Um, You just need to be curious enough and open to the new thing that he wants to reveal to you. Um, and, or maybe you're a young adult and you're like the rich young ruler and you're just busy getting on with life, but you're not sure what your purpose is. Why don't you slow down and let Jesus reveal himself to you as the risen Christ? Or maybe you're a teenager and you're kind of confused about what's true and what's not true, about right and wrong. Or maybe you're confused about who you are. Jesus can help you with that as well. So don't worship at the empty tomb. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Jesus said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and fellowship with him and he with me. He welcomes us into his presence, to his table, while we are still broken, unbelieving, and defeated. And he will not turn you away no matter who you are or what you've done and in his mercy as we sit in his presence in our brokenness he breaks bread with us and it's in those moments that he is revealed to us as the risen christ it's in those moments that we begin to grow in spiritual wisdom and understanding and that's why it's called grace Because it's a gift. Jesus doesn't say, come to me with everything figured out. We come to him incomplete, confused, and broken. And he is happy to sit at the table with us and reveal to us who he really is. We come to him just as we we are. So I want to encourage you today to come before him with your doubts, with your fears, with your anxieties, because he will not reject you if you would just open the door just a little bit. He will come in and fellowship with you and reveal to you that he is indeed the risen one. All you need to do is come as you are. We already had an opportunity to worship to a few songs this morning that Melanie Wengate's put together, but um, I've asked 
Ryan Sia, who put together the music playlist that Melanie chose, um, if he would repeat the song here at the end of this message, Come As You Are. It's a song of invitation. And you know, Jesus has risen. But his resurrection does nothing for you until you believe it. You have to encounter him to be convinced that indeed he rose from the dead. Will you do that today? Will you come into his presence? And will you come as you are? God bless you today.